Hello and welcome back to Asians Represent. I'm Daniel, and today's episode is going to be the first of a new monthly series we're going to be doing. It's live streamed on the first Saturday of every month at Twitch.tv/aznsrep.、Uh, Myself and my panelists are actually going to be reading through the entire AD&D Caratour: The Eastern Realms campaign setting. It's going to be the follow-up to the Oriental Adventures series that Steve and I did. Now, if you want to catch these live, of course you can follow us on Twitch. If you're listening on the podcast,、uh, we listen to you. A lot of you asked for our AD&D read-throughs to be in podcast format, so that's what we're doing. So from now on, all of our Caratour streams are going to be in podcast format. The video will be at YouTube.com/slash/AZNSrepresent, and of course, you can catch us live on Twitch on the first Saturday of every month.、Uh, that being said,、uh, please enjoy the first episode of our Caratour: The Eastern Realms、uh, read-through. Spoiler: We didn't really get that far. First of all, I appreciate all of you for joining me and like answering my my like call to arms. <laughs> because because like like first of all like a like all of you are like people who I've wanted to collaborate with for a long time and just haven't had a chance to because there's just so many things.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then now we finally get to do something on like a like a semi regular basis,、uh, which is which is cool.、Um, Like all of you do so much good for the community, like on, on like Twitter or just for the Asian community at large.、Uh, so I'm really excited for us to do something. I will say better than what we did with Oriental Adventures,、uh, and not to say what we did with Oriental Adventures was bad, but what we did with Oriental Adventures was a 26-hour experiment. And what we're going to do now is you know take the lessons from. You know that experience and that experiment with Oriental Adventures, and try to do something,、uh, you know, new and constructive with Caratour: The Eastern Realms.、Uh, that being said, welcome, folks. It's Daniel, and welcome to Asians Read. Now, on the first Saturday of every month, we'll be reading well this book that you see on the screen, Caratour: The Eastern Realms, the official campaign setting for Oriental Adventures. We talked a little bit about Caratour during our, you know, our really long stream series on the Oriental Adventures Handbook,、um, but you know, we're going to dive into the world of Caratour with this book.、Um, so this book was published in 1988 by TSR,、um, and you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, this, how does this affect me? How does this affect me as a consumer of Fifth Edition D and D, as a consumer of the Forgotten Realms? Well, we're gonna find out. This is this is very much still a problem in the world of D and D and how people interact with D and D's official world. Now, unlike our Oriental Adventure stream, and very similar to how Amar is running our Alcadim stream, and how you know Emma, myself, Steve, and and company are all doing our Legend of the Five Rings stream, we want to make sure that our discussion of Caratour is more nuanced. Uh, and we provide you with solutions.、Um, so again, our goal with this, our goal with the conversation that the five of us are going to have, is to take a more structured approach, to create conversation, to introduce new perspectives, and you know, most importantly, 
to create space for Asian voices in the TTRPG sp- like community and the industry because you know we all kind of do that. Um, so before we start reading this book and talking and kind of framing our approach, let's do let's start with introductions. Let's go with the the overlay. So underneath we'll we'll go Emma, Jackie, Mackenzie, and then Michelle. So Emma, who are you? Um, what do you do? And why are you here? Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I well on L5R I'm acting as the TTRPG outsider so I've never played I'm vaguely familiar with a bunch of stuff but I am in the real world an archaeologist I work on uh, ancient diet and food culture in Jomon period Japan in Hokkaido so in the north and I also teach quite a bit on the intersections between pop culture and uh, the past. And I will be teaching a course on what pop culture does and means for East Asian diaspora communities around the world. That will be coming up. Unfortunately, not a free course. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> At the University of Toronto. It's at U of T, yeah. But I'm happy to talk about these sorts of things. Let's go. Let's go to Jackie. Hi, everybody. Who are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm Jackie. I'm actually uh, one of the organizers for the Unbreakable Anthology, which uh, Daniel had uh, contributed to as an editor and a writer. And I also wrote an adventure in there as well. But uh, we are also gearing up for volume two. So we're getting ready for pitches soon. So uh, stay tuned for those news on my Twitter when you ever get around to that. <laughs> Blast. Unbreakable is doing some like great things. And not only are you doing Unbreakable, but you also, you know, write and publish pretty extensively. Yeah. I, I, I also pub I also write and publish uh, both for D D and for other tabletop RPGs, and I also uh, create my own indie RPGs on itch. I have a long list <laughs> of things I have worked on. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um and let's go to Mackenzie. Um, hi, um, I'm Mackenzie Diarmus, Mackenzie Lane D on Twitter. I'm an independent tabletop uh, role-playing game online content creator. I'm the lead writer for The Islands of Sina Una, which is an upcoming 5e setting based in pre-colonial Filipino mythology. I'm also a contributor, contributor to MCDM Productions, both with uh, upcoming Kingdoms and Warfare stuff and their new online magazine, Arcadia, which will be available via their Patreon. Hell yeah. And then... Michelle. Hi, um, I'm Michelle Rapp. I am a relative newcomer to um, the, this particular area of the TTRPG space, uh, mostly into homebrews and whatnot um, and uh, magic related stuff right now. Um, let's see, I'm a potter and ceramicist um, and also used to work in HR and tech back in the day, but that was, that was a lot of fun and now I'm just into you know, making pots and yelling at people on Twitter. You can find me at Kilnfeen Potter on Twitter, where I mostly rant about things and also show off my pottery. Funny, funny thing, I actually I made this mug. Sweet. Nice. Yeah, I made oh, this that's mug. That's a nice handle. Um, thank you. I put a lot of work into it. It's got like a little groove here. Yeah. It's like with the first mug I ever made. You pulled that handle. Um, I can tell. So many tries. Pulling handles is rough, man. Like, there's a reason why you put up a thirty percent markup, a markup between a tumbler and a mug. (laughs) 
handles. You know what? I understand now. Yes. After that, after 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 they were like, okay, the easy part is going to be making the vessel. The hardest part will be making the handle. And I was like, nah. And then like two hours later, I was like, okay, I get it. It's so I hard. It. <laughs> I will pay the premium for a handle. Um, so. We've kind of introduced ourselves. You know, what I love is that, you know, all of us come from like different walks of life, different backgrounds, different experiences with not only the tabletop gaming world, D&D, but also as like Asian people. And I think that's super important. Um, we all, you know, bring something different to the table. And I hope that, you know, when we are reading this book, we might even disagree with one another. And I think that's super important. I think it's important that we disagree with one another because, you know, A, it shows that we are having, um, we're engaging with, with this material based on our own experiences, which are different. And that's something that we don't see in pop culture and media. It's like all Asians are the same. All Asians think the same. All Asians interact with media the same. And that's not true. Um, so we're going to have a really good conversation. Um, before we do so, I want to kind of, kind of talk about Oriental Adventures and, you know, what it kind of represents. I have a book, and if you're listening to this in audio, you won't be able to see this, but I have a book called Orientalism in front of me. Now, in 1978, a scholar named Edward Said published this book, and in it, he established a term, Orientalism, as a concept to describe the West's common portrayal of the East. Now, since the original publication of the book, this is, I think this is the 25th anniversary version, and you can find these in any bookstore for like less than $10. Um, the definition of Orientalism has changed significantly. Um, but in general, Orientalism has always been a critique on ways of knowing. Um, while comparing the East to the West. It's a concept where power is very, you know, central to the West. Orientalism relies on, you know, letting Westerners interact with the, the Orient, the East, um, in a very broad sense from a position of power. And it's this concept of Orientalism that underlies almost every criticism of, you know, Oriental Adventures material the use of the word oriental, right? Um, and like Asian media created by non-Asian people. Now, when we did our read-through of the Oriental Adventures Handbook, we used a framework based on four fundamental problems that we saw. The first one is that world building is based on harmful real-world stereotypes and the reductive blending of cultures, ethnic groups, and even time periods. Um, this isn't the result of like racism or malicious intent, but rather an example of how, and we see this all the time, and I'm sure all, all four of you can, you know, kind of vibe with this. We can see how the appreciation of cultural stereotypes can result in a tool for creating the other. It's like, oh yeah, I, we made this because we really like Japan, or I made this because I spent a summer in Tokyo and I really wanted to share that experience. Um, but it shows how, you know, taking these very, very narrow experiences and trying to turn an appreciation, a genuine positive appreciation for something into, you know, a work of mass media can actually be very harmful if done incorrectly. Right? Um, you know, with the world building here, we've also shown how it's 
harmful and problematic to even place certain themes in prominent positions as they convey, you know, the importance of tropes. Um, so that's one. Two, you know, we found that Orientalist work often portrays Asians as violent and savage. Three, it portrays Asians as, by an extension of number two, uncivilized and in need of saving. That's that power dynamic that we see in Orientalist literature and Orientalist scholarship. All of the, you know, there are real places that still use the word Oriental. There is actually the Oriental Institute, and it's in Amman, Jordan. Um, and the last one is that Asians are objects of fetishization. Um, and so, so those are the four things that I kind of want us to keep in mind. Um, we aren't going to go like hard and fast with these, with these four uh, fundamental rules, but I want us to make sure that, you know, as an audience, as, you know, panelists and, and as people who are, you know, watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, keep these in mind, right? Um, so let's, let's get started with this interesting book. Does anybody have anything to say about the cover, by the way? <laughs> I just yeah, reopened he... it. I just reopened it. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh... It's... I mean, we can start from like a graphic design perspective, which is it it's absolutely it's very busy. <laughs> yeah. It's very busy. Um I I mean it's it's really hard to tell quite what's going on, but the fact that the humans here I I'm assuming the Asian humans here, the East Asian humans here are being beat up by a um and what I'm assuming is some kind of ogre or oni. It's like already yeah, kind I'm of sure placing. It's supposed to be an oni. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be an oni. Um, it, it already kind of places the people in it at sort of an awkward, not very heroic situation. I don't know. I mean, I, I generally feel like when you look at um, other covers where you've got adventurers, you've got adventurers kind of bravely, you know, like fighting or at least on equal footing with the monster. Um, here, it seems like they're already being taken down, which is awkward. Um, and there's also just a confusing mishmash of like East Asian cultures already. I kind of feel like between the Oni and then you've got the pig weird pagoda and you've got the, the Shinto looking um, Tori 8 like in the distance and then some of the I don't know. It, it it already looks really confusing. There, let's not also forget the nunchucks. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. about to say there's there's, 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 there's like nunchucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. nunchucks. Yeah. nunchucks. <laughs> I just saw them in the background. Woo. Yeah, that's really like going to help you here. Yeah, it's for for me the the thing that bothers me is like a there's the nunchucks. I didn't see it until until we just looked at it right now. Yeah, now it's the only and thing I saw I can the nunchucks see. and I was like I was like, somebody better mention the nunchucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, but but on this there are also like two foo dogs, the mm -hmm. Imperial Lions. Yeah. Um but there's something there's like a glaring mistake with them. One's one's mouth should they're be both, closed and they're both yeah. yeah. They're both the male lion. Yeah, yeah, they're both holding the ball. One's gotta have a yeah, little kid. One, <laughs> oh, a little. Yeah, one's gotta have a, a cub. Yeah. They both have a ball. Um, so they're both the male lion. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's like intentional, but I will say that's just like bad research. Let's like, let's take all of the Asian tropes. We'll take 
pagodas. We'll take Tory Gates. We'll take nunchucks, Oni, and Foo Dogs. <laughs> and we'll Foo Dogs. Like and Katana. Katana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and we'll and throw of them all to this page with a wonton font. And there's also the Chinese halberd in the very front. There's yeah, the there's a traditional yep. uh, t- uh, Chinese longsword in the front. And then there's one that looks almost vaguely like a, t- a katana. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> and, the, and the helmet yeah. types as well. Like, those are not traditionally, like, th- those almost look like Ottoman sort of helmets. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. I think this this is definitely a pastiche of like different Asian cultures and time periods. I mean, even if you look at the, so I want to be as descriptive as possible for people who are listening in audio. Um, if you're looking at the right foo dog, uh, there is a sword that looks like it's kind of falling mm-hmm. by the right foo dog. That does not look like an Asian sword at all. It looks like a stiletto. Oh, yeah. It yeah, it looks like like a very long stiletto dagger. Yeah. Um, but again, this is kind of kind of nitpicking. Uh, there are just very interesting things going on here. Yeah. Um, but again, this this cover actually covers a lot of the four points I mentioned. Right? It's that you know there are there's the blending of cultures. We already see it right here instantly. The blending of cultures. Uh, Asians are seen as violent and savage. It's like this world of at war. Uh, Asians are uncivilized and in need of saving. This, the world of Karatur is full of monsters and Asians can't handle them. And then if, it doesn't really cover Asians are objects of fetishization, um, but we will surely get to that later. Um, but but let's, let's move on. Our, our time is very limited together um, and we're going to keep going. We have our table of contents and... Before all of us were even on, Jackie and I had a long conversation about the table of contents um, and, you know, just what's here. Uh, I think one of the things we learned from our Oriental Adventures read through is that, um, you know, the world of Karatur is not, it's unlike Rokugan. Rokugan in like, you know, third edition D&D and L5R is supposed to be Japan. And it has like sprinklings of like China, Korea, and even like Mongolia in it. But Karatur is supposed to be Pan-Asian. It's supposed to be Pan-Asian. And that's one thing I think we're, we, we need to remember. And it exists in the same world as, you know, the rest of the Forgotten Realms. So, you know, Al-Kadim, if you listen to our, you know, our other monthly series, you know, Critical Read, that world of Arabian adventures, I say that with air quotes, the land of fate exists in the same world as this. Um, this is an attempt to create the real world within a fantasy realm. Um, do we want to go over the table of contents or do we want to move on into the actual text? What is the point of the characters on the side? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what I, is- I, so Jackie and I were saying, like, I can't read them. Yeah, I, I, there are some of the characters I can't recognize, unfortunately. Um, but I'm sure if I have to, I will just ask my family because they all are fluent and so they can speak and read. So I will probably just have them look it over. It is the same uh, because it's a, uh, it looks like it's a ban- It's a little bit of a, a decorative banner that goes across all the pages. So yeah. we get to see it all the time. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll touch on this later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... 
I mean, there, there's one thing here that I, I pointed out to Jackie before we, we started when, when we were talking earlier. And it's in Sholung, uh, there is a section in it called Criminal Tongs on page 23. Um, that's already wrong. Um, it's not that it's racist or anything like that, but the fact that criminal tongs are included in you know, this particular depiction of Asia shows just how Americanized and Westernized this view of China is. Um, so for, for those of you who don't know what a tong is, um, tongs are like basically immigrant organizations. And they are very much a modern phenomenon. Okay. Um, but why are they included here? Um, they are included here, a, a, because I know that like Kozakura and other parts of Orient, the Oriental of interest world, there exist Yakuza. Right? And many people see Tong as the kind of Chinese equivalent. Um, <laughs> and this all kind of plays into like stereotypes. Um, I think it's important, like, and I and I want to. I don't want to put you folks on the spot, but I kind of want to ask, like, what is a stereotype for all of us? Because there are going to be people who respond to these videos and respond to these discussions and say, like, well, none of this is bad, or like, hey, there are positive stereotypes here. Like, what is a stereotype? And it's something that we need to discuss as we as we kind of move into the book. And I'm going to put the art on the next page on the screen for everybody. Oh, it's like, boy. what is a stereotype? And, and like, for me, like, stereotypes are very broadly, like, knowledge structures that serve as mental pictures of groups of people who are in question. Traits that, you know, like, come to mind quickly. Like, you know, we're all people and we love to categorize things, right? And there's nothing wrong with categorizing things. Some stereotypes, yes, can be positive. But they are primarily negative because in making categories, you are creating an other. Uh, I don't know if you folks have like a different understanding of stereotypes, um, but I wanted to throw that out there for people who are watching. Um, I would add that stereotypes are never just surface level things. They have histories and connotations. And so a lot of the times when people react to stereotypes or tell you that they're not good, you will have to listen to all of the reasons why, because it might not immediately seem like anything bad. So those positive, those good stereotypes also have histories and have been used in weird ways. And, you know, a lot of the times it yeah. just removes individuality as well as personal histories and life stories. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like a big example is like all Asians are good at math. Oh, man. Incorrect. Have I, I have lived through that for so long. <laughs> Incorrect. Yeah. But like a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, well, all Asians are good at math. That's a great stereotype. Y'all are good yeah. at math. I've also but they don't understand. you like baseball because you're part Japanese. It's like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> But, but like, you know, like the, the math one or all Asians are good at math or, you know, Asians work so hard is like, yeah. I mean, um, while those at the surface can be seen as positive stereotypes, they are deeply rooted in the model minority myth, which is a deeply negative thing mm -hmm. um, that's rooted in like power. And honestly, like 
you know, the Asian community's compliance in racist structures. Um, but let's move on. Um, anybody have thoughts on this art? Because this is the art style that they set for the entire book. Where is the chain going? Is it? It, it doesn't even seem like this. This large feline I creature think has like the hint of a collar. Maybe. Yeah. A yeah. little bit of a collar. Um, so, like, is that actually a giant panther? Is that what? a giant panther? Or I'm gonna is it say like a yeah. Puma? Okay. I think it's a panther. Are there panthers in? I mean, I guess well, I mean, there was a lot of. I mean, I guess if they're using like the South Asian ones, maybe. Yeah, and I, and I know there was a lot of like exotic animal trade in historic China. This is also true. Like giraffes, giraffes made their way to to China. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, totally plausible. Uh, but yeah, from like a layout perspective, it's like what is what is going on here? I, he, uh, other than an angry Asian man, yeah, yeah, and, and I love how that's the first, and I love how that's the first image before you get to Shu Long, which is the the first section, and I'm just like, of all the choices, <laughs> yeah, it's it's I it's the uh, it's the the noble savage sort of look, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's it's exactly um, the noble savage because you are, you have this uh, kind of implied relationship between the anger of the human in front of you and the anger and ferocity of the animal behind that person and yeah it's 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 immediately creating and setting the tone for what you should and how you should play um this game this particular setting especially when you couple it like the first thing you see is the cover and then you see this it's like when you look at like uh D&D books for um you know for the more recent ones when they you look at the cover art and the preceding art it always has that feeling of oh you want to be a part of that scene with both of these it's like when you're reading it it's oh I don't want to be a part of that scene I want to come in and stop that scene from happening and it creates a very different tone for like a player reading it as to already how an outside adventurer, quote unquote, is going to be approaching entering the setting rather than as a part of it, um, as someone to help it or save it, which is wrong. Yeah. Oh no! Asian people are letting all these wild jungle cats out in the land. We need to stop them. Um, yeah. It's weird, and it's it's really strange. It's it's um, it's hard to figure out if you're supposed to be the person who is is who's got this spear or if you're supposed to be fighting this person who's got the spear either you are the wild noble savage or you're like combating the noble savage either way you are um playing or interacting with this other sort of perspective stereotype i mean if you're if you're chinese you're like oh that's guan yu (laughs) they just have this character in like every single piece of you know chinese tabletop gaming media i I guarantee that there's going to be more Guan Yu in this book, and I have not looked through it. I'm not calling out anybody. I haven't looked through it. Yeah, I, I will um, say, though, the cat has a really good side eye going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It I does. didn't even notice. <laughs> it does. It's like, what are you doing? I liked that chain. <laughs> it was hey. great. It's like, rude. Like, hey. I was hiding hey. that chain. Thank you. <laughs> I, I never even... Now I can't unsee that. <laughs> I cannot see the eyes. Stop. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. Anyways, yeah. let, let's go into to show, show Lung. Um, I can, uh, uh, if, if I can start reading or if anybody else wants to read. 
Uh, I could start reading. Enjoy the naming convention. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, oh. well, that's immediately it. Oh, no. Like the second paragraph, I the se- yeah the second one is a is a joy. Read the the first sentence is equally yeah. a joy. That's one sentence. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do this. Your guide is the great dragon lord Mei Long Cheng Shan, the great great grandson of the immortal historian of the celestial empire of heaven. It is Meilung's task to assemble the vast histories of the Emperor of Heaven so that the Celestial One will know all that has occurred and best be able to judge the actions of mankind. Our great dragon is over 2,000 years old and has observed the peoples of Sholung over the span of empires. He has also traveled widely to other lands as well, meeting many other chroniclers of events, adding their tales to his own. He begins... I am Mei Lung, and then they actually changed the name there because they said Mei Lung Cheng Shan, and now they say I am Mei Lung Chen Shan Tian Kong Tu, seventh son of Men Lung Chen Shan Tian Kong Tu, the elder of our clan and the great great grandson of the immortal of history. Chin, what really? Interesting. Um, Chin Shi Chen Shan Tian Kong Tu. I am most humbly the grand historian of the most powerful celestial majesty. In this year of the great sky serpent, in the month of Kao, the first day of Xiang, I set pen to paper to record the myriad things of this land of Sholung, as requested by my most honored friend. Oh, there's honor. The foreign scholar El Elminster. Elminster. Oh, Elminster. Oh, we'll get. I know Jackie, maybe we'll get Jackie to explain to Emma who Elminster is. Um, And command by my lord as the duty of 220,000 historian of the celestial bureaucracy. Let's stop there. That's a lot. That's a lot to say. Um, Okay, so let's start with Fuck, I don't know where to start. <laughs> Do you want to start with that, <laughs> with that ridiculous naming with convention? Yeah, I was say, let's start with yeah. the names. Okay. Start with who's Elminster. Let's start for the people who don't play like Forgotten Realms D&D. Jackie, who is Elminster? So Elminster is one of the Chosens of Mistra. He is the most iconic. Uh, he's, a, he's a very famous icon in the Forgotten Realms. He's also known as the Sage of Shadowdale. He is a, considered the iconic wizarding hero for the Forgotten Realms, so he does everything, he's able to do everything, and he's lost and done a lot of things, but the most important thing is that Illminster is a dabbler and likes to get into, likes to deal deal into stuff all the time. He's kind of like the Gandalf you always expected in the, from Lord of the Rings, but, but with um, much longer history and actually somewhat better thought-out development. I'll give him that. He's he, he's the fictional representation of Ed Greenwood. Yes. The f- creator of the Forgotten Realms. Yes. Um, who actually lives in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's Elminster. The, 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 he's a white character. Oh, yes. I looked up um, pictures of him just now. <laughs> okay. There, there, he's, I, he's, will, he's, I will comment, though. He what, Elminster was a woman for a short, brief period of time in the novels. Huh. Huh. Oh, I did not really? know that. Uh, in the That's first pretty... book, uh, that is because the goddess Mistra uh, changed him into a woman to make him appreciate the the fact of what is the the duties and the issues of being a woman. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's oh, that's I mean, that's there's... less great. 
Yeah, I was that's excited. Great. Now <laughs> yes. I wasn't. No, so, okay. so Elminster as a woman went on a murder on a murder revenge spree for about three years. Okay, I mean uh, valid, but this is <laughs> that, okay. That, go, that goes like straight into like the male empowerment fantasy from a woman, like for a woman, is basically that whole othering of like, mm-hmm. oh, this is why we can't give insert marginalized person here like power because if they did then they would just do the things that we're gonna do or like what i would do which is i don't know it's one of the whole like it's like the kill bill fantasy almost yeah yeah it it really was like the the wish fulfillment of the kill bill fantasy because technically um elminster his family got murdered from a bunch of um rogue mage lords and so as a as a teenager growing up he sought revenge and Eventually, when he met Mistra and she promised to teach him things about magic, um, it got to a point where he was getting too arrogant and to put him in his place, she decided to turn him into a woman. Because a woman understands magic. There is so much. Ah. Uh, Do you want to go into detail, Mackenzie? It's just like, I don't, it's. Sorry, like brain. Hold on, I got like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> loading, 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 loading. It's, oh, it's, do, I, do I also want to get into the fact that he, that Mistra and Ilminster, um, copulated at the end of the oh, series? My God, and no, that, no, stop. No. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, you're getting too arrogant. So to put you in your place, as in put you in a lesser position, I'm going to make you put you into a female, uh, like a, a femme presenting body. That's mm-hmm. That's, I mean, do, like, it, it's true that, you know, when you're femme presenting, you are, you have to deal with a lot of people, like, treating you as less and stuff like that, but that's not, the issue isn't, oh, you, you how, the, being a woman, that's not what causes, and that's not the root of the, oh, you're in a lesser position, it's a, the society around it, and teaching, using that as a tool to teach a lesson to an arrogant man is, it's one using the f- the female body in a way that is as only advantage, yeah, as punishment and in a way that is only advantageous, quote unquote, to like teaching a man a lesson. Um, and it plays into the idea that like the only use for women is to teach men a lesson and make them be better. Which no, we are people. We have lives and other per- like we have lives and drives and you know we don't just exist to make the men in our lives better people. That's yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. But yep. but but let's uh yeah. That there's I mean there are so many problems with that. Yeah. But that let, has let's, nothing gonna, to do with car tour. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with car tour. He's only let's, visiting. Let's, <laughs> he's only visiting. Hey, you know what? Here's 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 a positive because we we should talk about positives. At least Elminster isn't the narrator of this book. Yes. Or Volo. Yes. Or True. Volo. Yeah. Not right? an there, There's a positive. The, the 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 narrator of the book is actually Asian. A positive. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel's one positive thing of the episode. Um, <laughs> but these names. Yeah. Oh man. They are these, they are names. I feel like the names. the the teen kung tu is an honorific of some kind that I can't distinguish what it's supposed to be. Something heavenly. Something yeah, heavenly. It's gotta yeah. be heavenly yeah. or yeah, celestial something, something. So I still can't get over how they changed from Cheng to Chen. 
Yeah, yeah, for the first oh, to the second did. paragraph. Yeah, they did. And it, 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 I can't unsee it. it, I, it it's almost it's bothering me. Well, it's almost kind of like an abbreviation, like in the first paragraph that was then elucidated upon and expanded within the second paragraph or something like that. And it's like, we're already yeah, but still, starting. But they still spell Chen as C-H-E-N-G in the first paragraph and then just remove the G on the second paragraph. They just removed it. They just... Uh, yeah, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I don't know. I, it's just, it's just, just I, it's bad. It's, it's bad. I don't know if this is a typo. I don't know if this is a typo, but it's like, y'all should have caught that. Because it's literally the first page that your editor is going to look at. It's not like they're tired. Well, the implication then becomes <laughs> I mean, like, they're just interchangeable, right? Like, these are just yeah, interchangeable. Yeah. They might have been to... trying to just read that first paragraph. <laughs> you know what? It, it'll get really bad if they all of a sudden change it to Chan. We'll see. Oh, oh. We, I, we got it. We got a few. We got a lot of pages, so we'll we'll find we out. Of pages. So much. And to, I mean, and to be completely honest, I didn't notice it until like everyone else pointed it out. So I mean, I'm not an editor by any means, so it could just be a typo. It is still it bad. It could just be a typo. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a bad look. Here's here's the thing. So like a like, I think Jackie, you're right that 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 Tian Kong Te is probably some sort of honorific. Um, whether or not they explain that to the non-Asian consumer of this product is, you know, up in the air right now. But one of the things that I've noticed is that they have all these titles, right? They have, what was what was it? There was a funny one. Oh, yeah. Myriad things of this land of Sholung. What, what is that? And that, that? Are they trying that to... That sounds like land and seas all of a sudden, doesn't it, Daniel? It, it sounds like this it is their way like of saying land and seas, but not saying land and sea. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to basically, you know how like there is a lot of like in classical Chinese literature or in Asian literature in general, you have, you know, you have a name and then when you translate it to English, it doesn't quite translate over because there's some nuance that is lost Mm -hmm. that is built into the Chinese language and not the English language. And I think that's what they're trying to replicate here. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I feel like it is. Yeah. It's a sort of like, Yeah. Go ahead, Jackie. Oh, I was just going to say, because just even looking at that title, it kind of reminds me of, because I've been reading through it again, uh, the uh, Shanghai Jing, and it's, that's, it's the book about the creatures that are within the mountain and the, the mountains and the seas, or between them, technically. And it's like... Between them, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be technically between them. And and there are some weird adaptations of that of that title I have found over time, and I'm just like, what? Okay. But yeah, I feel like this is kind of the same thing. Work. Yeah. It is. It, it's definitely the same thing. But instead of being a, not a poor translation, but, you know, the some sometimes Shanghai Jing just, should just be Shanghai Jing rather than, mm. you know, the Chronicles Between Mountains and Seas or any of the other variations of that. Yeah. Because right? that's a Chinese monster manual mm-hmm. um, and mythical geography textbook. Yes. Um, but this is purposeful. Mm-hmm. This is purposeful. It's not like they they have a Chinese name and then they tried to translate it into English. They did the opposite. They're like, okay, well, let's make a weird sounding book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This feels like as if they uh, they were trying to make it very exotic sounding. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's already and- basically emulating a mistranslation that has been since accepted as the normal way that Asians just. Uh, it's it's our parlance because it's how we say things and and i yeah. think that also kind of extends to the introduction uh which is the very long 
names. I mean, I think this has some historical precedence, but it's also immediately like, um, it's not, it doesn't exactly re- like render a sense of like closeness between the narrator and the reader. There's definitely already a sense of like, this is who I am. This is my grandfather's name. This is my great grandfather's name. And it, it, it's, it, plays into a lot of weird there's a lot there's a lot there but it does play into a lot of awkward stereotypes about like what asian culture prioritizes i suppose um with regards to family and honor like the honor is implied there (laughs) oh yeah yeah, then there's the my most honored friend yes foreign scholar (laughs) elminster note that it's also capitalized capitalized yes it's a a title i find it a little odd that the very first paragraph is a just a random narrator and then we go into what i assume is a never-ending quote because i don't see any clothes to yeah i noticed that oh, too yeah. it switches no voice end, it, it literally no. everything at this point on is all is all quotes <laughs> yeah they didn't end quote <laughs> no end quotes it's nothing but qu- it's just a long quote I'm just gonna scroll up and see who the editor was on this book. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's not even credited at the beginning. Yeah, it's not even credited. I didn't see it. I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to Google Google that because uh, I, yeah. I have a feeling we're. Oh boy. <laughs> and also, uh, this is um, something that I have to deal with a lot because of the work I've done for uh, Sin Una, and it's something not to fixate on Elminster, but the the fact that this this intro states that the only reason why this is written is for Elminster, by request of Elminster, it plays into an idea of Asians or other cultures in general needing someone, needing the West to chronicle their history. And that's something that is a really big problem because it's because of that imperialist notion of, oh, the West needs to chronicle this history. The West needs to be the keeper of all this knowledge. It ends up erasing so much nuance and specificity um, and just so many stories because it states that, oh, the only things that are included in history are the things that uh, my uh, our most honored friends in the West think are worthy of keeping. And it r- reduces the stories that are being, that are capable of being told, whether in a fantasy setting or in real life. And that's really harmful and also just a sad reflection of reality. Yeah. It also it also implies that the people of Sholong don't write their own history. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Or they don't share it. I mean, there's this definitely there's definitely the feeling building off of what Mackenzie said about um, Western scholars, or at least Western culture, being the arbiter and the um, the conduit for knowledge about Asian history and lore and goods. I mean, when we think about Asian, like the, the history of trade um, between like China and the East and, um, and Eastern East Asian countries and like Europe and America, um, there's a lot of history of like the, at least in the Western, Western perspective, like these countries going in and forcing some kind of trade negotiation or going in and like forcibly opening up that country, like, hence the Meiji era and things like that so oh Matthew Perry and the black flags yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so there's a lot of just like 
Oh yeah, we you can't like you you can't just we don't just give knowledge about our country to you. Like you have to go in and you have to ask for it or you have to take it. Yeah. Yeah. But but but, but since Elminster is his most honored friend. Oh yes. It's a favor. <laughs> it's a favor. Um it's worth worthwhile to note. I uh, I didn't read I didn't you know read this out, but we met we mentioned at the beginning that you know even though this book was published in 1988, um, it still has an effect on D and D as it currently stands. So if you go on like D and D Beyond, or if you open up if you have a copy of the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide or the Dungeon Master's Guide, Caratour is mentioned in both of those, as is Sholung. So in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, this is what they say Caratour is. And this is a good point of reference to see how far we have actually come or not. Right? It says, far to the east, past the wastes of the Horde Lands, that's another reading series on its own, mm-hmm. um, lies the empires of Sholung, Kozakura, Wa, and the other lands of the vast continent of Caratour. To most people of Faerun, Caratour is like another world, and the tales told by travelers from its nations seem to confirm it. It's exotic. The gods that humans worship in Faerun are unknown there, as are common peoples such as gnomes and orcs. Other dragons, neither chromatic nor metallic, dwell in its lands and fly its skies, and its mages practice forms of magic mysterious even to the arc wizards of Faerun. Stories of Caratur tell of gold and jade in great abundance, rich spices, silks, and other goods rare or unknown in western lands, alongside tales of shape-changing spirit people, horned giants, and nightmare monsters absent in Faerun. That's in the current edition of D&D. Yep. I award this right? one yike. It, it's, yeah. it's worse Just... when you read it out loud. <laughs> is this just like the brain of someone from the like 13th and 14th century like is this where like the land's over there <laughs> well, ah, well yes. in oriental adventures they actually say that caratur is the other half of the world yeah that that exact the, word. Other, half. the other half the other mm-hmm. half the other yeah now, now let's go to honor. Now, this is in a lot of people like, okay, so the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide was not written by Wizards of the Coast's in-house team. It was written by Green Ronin Publishing. Uh, but it is an official D&D product, so it technically counts. And it's still However, written not in like the 80, it's still written within the millennia, yeah, right? When, when was that mm-hmm. book published? Uh, what, uh, Sword Coast Adventurer's Sword Guide? Coast? Uh, that was at yeah. least within the a year after... Um, D&D 5e came out, so probably like 2016? Let's, let's look at that. Jeez, up, so. okay. Yeah, wow. that's like, it's still oh, like 2015, that's... according to chat. 2015, really? yeah. That's still really recent. Yeah, yeah. it was There's one of their no... uh, first supplements. Yeah, and it's it's a world guide. Mm-hmm. Now, he, even before that, what are, look, there are three core books to, to a D&D edition. You got your player's handbook, you have your dungeon master's guide, and you have your monster manual. Um, and this is mostly for Emma, because Emma, you've never played D&D. The player's handbook is what, you know, helps you make your character. The monster manual and the dungeon master's guide are used by the dungeon master, the game master, to basically run the game and flush out the world. In the fifth edition dungeon master's guide, there is a section, an optional rule on honor. 
It says this. If you are running a campaign shaped by a strict code of honor or the constant risk of insanity, consider adding, and insanity, take note of that, consider adding one or both of these new ability scores, honor and sanity. For honor, if your campaign involves cultures where rigid codes of honor are part of daily life, consider using the honor score as a means of measuring a character's devotion to that code. This ability fits well in a setting inspired by Asian cultures, such as Karatur in the Forgotten Realms. The honor ability is also useful in any campaign that revolves around orders of knights. So they talk about this as well. So I want to be transparent. Honor measures not only a character's devotion to a code, but also the character's understanding of it. The honor scores all can also reflect how others perceive a character's honor. A character with high honor usually has a reputation that others know about. Usually those who have high honor scores themselves. It's the stupidest I'm glad that this was not a drinking game where we each had to take shots every time honor was said because we'd just be wasted. <laughs> we'd just be wasted right now. Oh, yeah. I did that. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's, uh, you Drink know some what? water. I gotta, I gotta give the honor paragraph credit in that you can see that they started it out with oh, this is good for the Asians. But wait, we don't want to make it too racist. So let's put in the knights. <laughs> yes. I, well, it's just because, yeah. because a landed gentry, like very privileged class of European, medieval European society is completely equivalent to an entire continent Culture. worth of people. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. I have to give them credit for trying. It did not go McKen well, but McKenzie I have right. to give them credit for going, wait, this might be a little bit bad. Let's make sure it's not just Asia. It's still bad in that it reduces all of Asia to like two paragraphs, but you know, they tried. Knights. Yeah, so this is really important to note that these notions of honor, like, ah, Elminster, my most honored friend. Um that shit still exists in 5th edition D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about right now and our, you know, our critique of Character of the Eastern Realms as a book are very much a reflection and a critique of how these cultures are represented in actual, current D&D. &D. Um, if I said actual D&D, people would like tar and feather me. Um, so let's continue reading because we've we've only we're, we're an hour in and we've only done two paragraphs. Oh, oh <laughs> we are technically on page three. We are technically on page three. We are technically on page three. So okay, we did two paragraphs. <laughs> we did two paragraphs and we did the cover. Two two images. Yeah. Okay. So as you have requested. Uh, by direction of the Celestial One, I here have written of the lands of Sholung, of the great empire raised in the name of the dragon, and the diverse peoples and places within its far-flung boundaries. You will find in my words a tale of a land unlike any other, a place of sophistication and superstition, of kings and commoners, of science and sorcery. Be forewarned. For it is written in the book of Ti Pa Wan Kuo that there is one show only. Oh. It is like what it has received, proud and full of fire, yet wise and cunning. Above all, show like the dragon is eternal. The great empire of Sholung is the largest of many lands that make up Karatur. It is a place of learning, culture, and government. 
with a proud history that chronicles nearly 3,000 years, spanning the rise and fall of eight great dynasties and over 70 emperors. With its extensive history and stable governments, governance, the empire exerts a mighty influence over its neighbors. It is said that when the emperor st- stamps his foot on the capital, the earth shakes in Koryo. Such is his power. Sholung is also a land of many complexities, a land wise in the ways of the world and its sophistications. Holy shit. Oh, God. Oh, boy. So. Oh, oh God. So, oh. Koryo is supposed to be the Korea. Yeah. Of yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We got oh, that is one. it? China. Oh, yeah. is it? Oh, yeah. is it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Laos. <laughs> that was Laos. <laughs> So subtle. <laughs> yeah. There's so much okay. to unpack here. Uh, so, 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 Emma, go ahead. First thought, and this goes back to the whole, it's not known or discovered until it's discovered by outsiders. This is being written by like the Imperial or Celestial historian. So we already have everything written down. Why is he writing it again for Elminster? He's doing the labor of translating it yeah. to the common tongue. Yeah. It, it reminds me of like I don't know if anyone has the image of like in, in sometimes like a lot of like older Chinese period dramas. There's always like that one one person, the storyteller who or the scholar who's just like re- who's recounting the historical events in this like grandiose, exaggerated way. And I feel right. like that is ex- that's what they're trying to emulate. But whoa, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Whoa. I think something that I'm real stuck on is that, I mean, there are problems that we've talked about with, like, a tale of a land unlike any other that, like, you know, that othering. But if you Mm -hmm. actually look at what follows that, a place of sophistication and superstition, of kings and commoners, of science and sorcery. That's literally I was going to say, that's that's literally everyone. That's every everyone. That that describes the Forgotten Realms. That describes Wildmount. That describes pretty much every setting everywhere. But the fact that it's prefaced with a land unlike any other, it's like, oh, look, these uncivilized people also have kings and commoners and, and government. Whoa! How, and could you do this you thing imagine? called science. It's creating yeah. this. Also, I just want to oh, say sorry. that the, the the line "there is one show only" I, that that feels like a really drawn out pun that I just want to like not in a good way either. Oh yeah, I I definitely Michelle, you were gonna say something. Yeah, I I just it really kicks me in the gut like how much othering there is in the sense of like segregation like they're clearly trying to present Karatur and Shaolong uh, as being it's just as good as and it's just like you know um Wildemont and all those other like Faerun and etc cetera, etc cetera. but but it's different it's it's the same but it's not and it it just creates like this false equivalence of of what to expect and how to play this game essentially at ah but yeah it's, it's like with the wild mount book because let's talk about that one because that's that's the the current critical role world right um 
I don't know if they say that in the book because I haven't read it. Um, I have played one of the adventures in it, and it feels like an adventure set in any other generic European fantasy world. So if you're a salesperson, what is the pitch there? What makes Wildmount as a world different from the Forgotten Realms? Would they say these same things? It's unlike any other land. Probably not. Right? But they do that for you know, non-European settings. Because apparently it, it takes othering an, an entire continent it, full of cultures to sell this book. It's like, it's like we want to appeal to your fantasy of playing an other, but at the same time we want to reassure you, oh, don't worry, it's just like everywhere else. But Asian flavor... But it is like everywhere else. <laughs> it is like everywhere else, that's the thing. It's like, here's a, it's like chicken nuggets, but you get the sweet and sour sauce instead of the barbecue. <laughs> like, that's basically it. It's yeah. just a different flavor. That's, that's the perfect analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I want nuggets. God. Oh, oh. sorry, everyone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going out for wings after this. Wings We're are going better. out for wings. <laughs> Okay, I'm a strong okay. I'm a strong proponent of boneless wings, which I know are just fancy chicken nuggets. Hey Yeah, let's let's be honest here. That that yeah. person who went who went to court who went to the city council yes. was like they're tenders. <laughs> that, one, that 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 person was the MVP for the week. Like legit. Twenty twenty MVP. Twenty twenty MVP right here. Yes. Oh God. This 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 first section is it's it's not that it's it's not that it's racist. It's just very poorly written. And it draws on so many stereotypes of Asia and so and pretty much all of what Saeed wrote about in Orientalism. They've made nonsensical attempts to create an other. And they've drawn on these tropes like weird like they actually drew on the trope of awkward translations. Mm-hmm. And that, well, that's the thing is like, do they understand it's an awkward translation or do they assume that's how quote unquote Asian literature is, literature is written? Do they understand yeah, right? that the problem lies in the translation and English language not being able to approximate what is actually being said? Or do they just think, oh, this is how quote unquote Asians write? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are, there's one thing of note here. And so people who can like read pinyin or you know look at modern anglicizations of chinese words will notice that this is the old style of like romanizing mm-hmm. chinese mm-hmm. um but that's a reflection of the time this book was written yep. so i'm i'm not going to call them out on that uh cuz this is the this was also the academic convention at the time as well yeah yeah um did I read the last paragraph? I forget. It was yeah, all blurred. Yeah, it's all blurred. <laughs> yeah, you it's did. Yes. It's the three thousand years, the the dynasties. I'm just I'm just imagining the emperor. Like maybe they have a child emperor in yeah. Jolan, and he's just like <laughs> stomping his yeah. foot to be like, take that, Corio. <laughs> yeah, Corio's like, so, oh, he needs a nap now. <laughs> Corio's like, oh, the emperor's having a tantrum. Yeah. Uh, there's like uh, like some porcelain. <laughs> there's some like celadon. <laughs> porcelain makers are just like okay we got to get the special shelves out like let's Mm -hmm. make sure things don't topple over uh okay let's let's keep moving it's also oddly structured because it's like here's character of the eastern realms and then immediate it's like sholung there is no broad introduction to character it assumes and 
I mean, it very obviously assumes that you have to have read Oriental Adventures. You have to know that, like, Karatua represents all of these places. Um, so let's go into cities. <laughs> it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt. I'm gonna forewarn you. Stupid name. Wait. The first wait. City, the first city of. Sho- oh, also, Sholung is mentioned in the player's handbook as well. Yes. In the human section. In the human section, it is. It's a, for for under names. Um, also, there's a culture called the Mulan. <sighs> yeah, let's not start that one. I already, I, I was angry. I was angry in tw- in the two thousands about it, and I t- and I threw tables around and for there's it. There's a lot to unpack with the Mulan as well. That's beyond this book. Um, lots of problematic stuff there too. Anyways, uh, this first city is called Keratin. Keratin. <laughs> Like, 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 like hair, right? hair, like, hooves. It's called, you know, let's, okay, we're creating the world of Karatur. Let's start with, let's start with the most creative name possible, Karatin. I mean, we got, um, we got, we got, we got, we got, we got, got Mylan next maybe. after this. <laughs> yeah, or May, May, Maylan. Yeah. Maylan. Cole Maylan. Anyways, so the city of Kara or Karatin uh, is a large seaport city located at the mouth of the Hongzhu. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. Oh. Um, okay. Uh, le- I mean, if we just did the names, this would go forever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just keep, just keep moving. Just keep moving. <laughs> oh God. Um, it is built mostly on swamp, with its boundaries hacked brutally out of the hacked? surrounding oh. jungle. Brutally. Hacked oh. Brutally. Hacked? Oh. Okay. Brutally. Okay. Well, well, let let's let's finish let's finish the first paragraph. <laughs> the efforts of si- the efforts of succeeding generations of emperors have drained most of the swampland, reducing the insect population and the constant threat of disease. Oh. Okay, so let's go back to our, our four things. World it, world building based on real world stereotypes. We have Asians seen as violent and savage, Asians as uncivilized and in need of saving, and Asians objects of fetishization. And I think this really touches on like the middle two yeah. violent and savage and yeah. uncivilized and in need of saving um, yeah cause like I don't know poor choice uh, and placement for where a city here. Yeah. yeah but also like but also like what do they mean by swamp yeah like yeah. are they talking about southern China cause the show show long is supposed to be China and I know that there's too long as well mm-hmm. um, but they're supposed to represent different parts of China's history but if you're talking about like a swamp something wet like they've gotta be talking about southern China and like I assume and like malaria yeah, jungle. Yeah. yeah yeah but like first of all from a world building perspective what is why why what is the, why would you go build keratin here if it's that bad yeah like, i don't know when you're building a city and emma from an archaeologist perspective when you're building a city when you're building a settlement you want to put it near you want to put it in a place that benefits you or you know at least has solid ground yeah yeah, yeah but adjacent to a swamp might make sense yeah is it supposed yeah. to be like it, it, a, a dc under- essentially <laughs> I, I i can understand like if they didn't realize they were on top of a swamp like you know like other cities have been in the in both in europe and in other places in asia where it's like we didn't know this was a swamp 
because there wasn't obvious signs for it. And it was like, okay, the land is really wet and it's sinking. Okay, that I can understand. But like, this is like blatantly like, no, they just built it on the swamp. They, they straight up were like, hey, there's a swamp. Let's build a city there. But we have to drain the swamp first. And also, it has to be surrounded by a jungle, jungle. apparently. Yeah. And there's disease and insects. Yeah. But no, but the thing is like, they may have brutally hacked this city <laughs> out of a jungle. <laughs> But hey, they did really good. <laughs> Just machetes everywhere. Um, Fewer insects. But, but, but look at what they did. Fewer insects. Like that's that's civilized, isn't it? Like see, see, I know that there are going to be people who are like conservation biologists who are like, okay, will you reduce the insect population? Now the food chain's all messed up. What goes <laughs> yeah. out of control now? Yeah, because now <laughs> you messed up the animals. Because, well, yeah, because now there's no fish. other animals who feed on the insects. Yeah, now there's no fish. Yeah, there are animals who feed on the insects die. There's where did, also where did the water go? They drain the water, but where do they put the water? Oh, I mean, to be the- fair, this is a world with magic. They could have just put it in a sphere somewhere. <laughs> it's just a and it's just big a sphere flex. of swamp water, <laughs> and that's a campaign. It's just like they they took the cosmic needle and they popped the bubble of swamp water, swamp and then sphere. all of the yeah. swamps of keratin go all over the place. Yeah. At and least like, if they were, at least if they were, at least to explain how they drained it, like oh, I don't know, like this, like the normal Chinese mythology stories, like oh, I don't know, build a dam. Like several miles away, that would have made sense. <laughs> but no, like, they this is the first city we're getting described to us. I know it's in alphabetical order, but like, whoa, it's it doesn't bode well. <laughs> it does not bode well. Um, ugh, okay. Part of me likes to think that oh, maybe this is like the Vegas of Sholung. They built it in a place where you shouldn't really build a city. Um, oh, I, I wait until you get to the next DC. one. We haven't even gotten to the next one, and that's just, ooh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Here's the next thing. Keratin was the home of the Sea Lords. It should be the Swamp Lords. I, I know, famous, yeah. <laughs> famous pirates and explorers who founded the expansionist High Dynasty in 830. What is the 830? There is no timeline here. I, yeah, I love that part because it's like usually like in in other Forgotten Realms dating, there's the the standard the standardization of number and dr, and there's no reference to that anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Eight thirty. This is this is a year. Whatever. I'm expecting a timeline elsewhere. <laughs> um, it is one of the first cities to have a unified architectural theme. I'm just gonna keep reading because every sentence here is yes. bad. Um, <laughs> just go. You gotta go. Are, Buildings are arranged in orderly patterns facing north. The streets are wide and paved with stone. The great palace of the sea lords stands at the center of the city. Uh, okay. Two, a two-story structure similar to the emperor's palace in Kotulung. Um, it is the first of the palaces to have columns along its outer courtyards. Keratin is also known for the Temple of the Jade Empress, a most magnificent structure raised by the Sea Lords uh, around a statue of the Empress Ti Hai Chin, the wife of the High Dynasty's founder. The harbor of Keratin is deep and well dredged. Ships constantly come here for trade, uh, to trade for silk, rice, and the advanced sciences of the empire. It is a bustling port where one can find almost any type of goods and meet people from all over Karatur. This is also the port to which the most gaijin come when they visit the world of the East. 
Did they have to do that? <laughs> Did they have to do that? Oh, Did they have to put oh, in? God. No. Man, no. I had to relive that, and that's just that was. I don't yeah. know. Re- reliving this twice in my lifetime was hard enough. It's hard enough. Konnichiwa, Gaijin. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Daijobu. That's in a book. That's hell, hell. That's in a book. I know. Yeah. That line is, oh my god. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, Can we it's... define Gaijin for those who are possibly unaware? Yes. Emma? So, um, yeah, generally means just an outside person or a foreigner in Japanese, but it's used as a slur um, and not really a word that's used anymore (laughs) but i guess that's how yeah the west thinks these thinks about them yeah yeah the um in oriental adventures they establish that all outsiders are gaijin Uh, okay um but they use this like japanese word for all (laughs) that's what's so weird it's like a huge shift it from like what is clearly Chinese inspired settings and names to and then Gaijin and you're like <laughs> what? And, and and by the way in the 80s we cle- the Chinese people who immigrated during the 70s and the 50s had a clear word for the, that was used on westerners for them. Like they, they, you can't ignore it. It was used and culturalized for 30 years before we stopped using it. Do you want to share that with the with the non Chinese oh, people? Yeah, the non Chinese people, it's Guaylo for Cantonese. <laughs> uh, so that was used for like from the fifties through like the nineties, and there's no way no one could not have heard that. <laughs> I, I will disagree with you on one thing. It's definitely still used now. Okay, that's fair. It's still being used, but it's definitely still used now. But so Guaylo is like white ghost, white devil. Mm-hmm. It's, well, it's it's yeah. a, it's it's yeah, and like the other one that I've heard is round eye or something along those lines. And I think it all just symbolizes this idea of Asian hostility toward outsiders or different people, because you can't now say the word gaijin without it seeming hostile or discriminatory. And yeah, it's loaded. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, Emma. I Mm -hmm. think that I don't think we've ever talked about. And it's like, like you said, the perceived Asian hostility against white people. I also feel like I've heard Gaijin used by a lot of, um, like, I guess, non-Asian anime fans to describe themselves um, in, like, a joking sort of way, like, aha, I'm a Gaijin coming in to watch Full Metal Alchemist or something, and you're just, it always feels a little awkward, so it almost feels like a self own a little bit yeah. it's awkward or like they're Self-owned. doing something that's forbidden it's like oh i shouldn't be doing this yeah it's like <laughs> look at me i'm a gaijin about to enter i'm taking ownership of this word yeah i'm reclaiming it <laughs> yeah yeah uh, uh, reclaiming it that's just so <laughs> no um, <laughs> i i think this is just like an odd piece of world building because if they hadn't if they had taken out the entire first paragraph of the keratin section, it would make sense. Because um, they say it's built on a swamp, but a swamp is still water. And then right here, it's a seaport. So there has, there's got to be some sort of river that drains inland. Remember, they took all the water then, and put it in a sphere somewhere. 
And then if the, but they took all the water and put it in a sphere, Swamp's but then on hold. there's no dance. Swamp's on hold. But like, uh, but then also has a unified architectural theme. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh wow. All okay. First of all, okay. That's that. That's the stupidest thing ever. A unified architectural theme. That, what does that even mean? That doesn't. When you. That doesn't that mean anything. They're, they're just, that, I mean, that can mean so many things. Like here, I, I think they want to say that all buildings have the same style. But it could also mean like all buildings are made using the same construction techniques or all buildings have certain cultural motifs to them. Like anybody who has taken even a first year anthropology class would know that this is bad. It's also, yeah, it's bad because it shows that this is a city that um, doesn't evolve. Like every major city in the world generally has a lot of differences in architecture because people come and they go and they bring new styles of building things with them. I mean... I live in San Francisco and we, we have a motley crew of everything from the Salesforce Tower to old Victorians for Full House. I mean, that's part of what makes a thriving diversity, but maybe that's what they're trying to say here. Carrotin uh, isn't diverse and they adhere strictly to older conventions and they just don't budge. Well, that's the stereotype about Chinese people and tradition and the resistance to change. Mm-hmm. Whether it be intentional or not, this still like this is still in the book and it can still be read as that and and i think that's like super important to mention right look like i saw this quote and i don't know where i saw it but it's something along the lines of like stories are like people but you can love them but it doesn't make them perfect no matter how much you try to overlook their flaws and so like yes if you had great memories and so many people tweeted at me um about this and they were like oh yeah i have great memories of playing in caratour it's not racist (laughs) no no or like i had a great time my asian friend loved this no we can love problematic things yeah 100 percent can and uh, it's mm, i don't know this is this is one of the the problems with you know asian media and Asian games. Um, there's also this idea that, like, you know, they come here to trade for silk, rice, and advanced sciences. Oh, there's the rice again. There's the rice. And, okay, in this case, the rice kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But also not really, because they took out all of the water from yeah, their swamp. Yeah, so how do you have rice? To grow I was rice. like, did they take the water and put it where the, like, are they growing the rice with the water sphere? I, I think there's. It's just like it's like it's a, it's a spherical rice field. It's a spherical, it's a spherical rice, rice field. It's like a freaking chia pet, just rice. It's a no, chia no, pet. it's like a snow globe. It's like a giant rice patty snow globe. And the rice grows on the inside, and then they shake it, and the rice shake falls out. Yes, yes. Right. Okay, to be fair, that's actually pretty cool world building. That's way better than this. I'm kind of like I'm down for that. Also, yeah. it would save a lot of work labor, just so we all understand. It actually would save a lot of work labor. So that actually is a better idea that's a way better honestly like this magical sphere that like grows rice and they took it and they moved to an inhospitable world that's that's pretty dope and now they have this thing and it gives them water and it gives them food but then one person controls it (gasps) i think that's interesting oh now we now we're gonna now we have now we have like a a rice crime lord now that's how that's how we get there (laughs) i I was actually thinking (laughs) you mean a you mean a tong lord yes oh god yeah Oh, here we go. <laughs> here's the th- here's the here's the one thing. I think that they make a mistake here, and that they they have a 
they don't have a clear understanding of the difference between a monsoon environment and a swamp. Oh, I, I see that. That's a yeah. thing here. Yeah. Right? Like, this isn't, like, Louisiana. This is, like, Guangdong province in China. Mm-hmm. Right? Very, very different. Yes, it's tropical, and yes, there are insects, and yes, there are, like, jungles. But this isn't the bayou. It, it's really weird how, they, how they've decided to use the word swamp. Um, but let, let's move on. Let's try to get at least one page done. <laughs> we got like 20 minutes. Let's go. Let's That's do this. Minutes. Let's do this. Kuo Meilan. Uh, the great deserted city of Kuo Meilan uh, lies at the center of the vast Chuke Plateau um, in a region stripped bare of all life. The city, originally, originally named Tenmore Shou. That's weird. Mm. Mm. Is there a Chinese sound? Four, four. Anyways, was renamed by the Emperor Ten Chin for uh, his evil consort Mei Lan. Uh, okay. <laughs> there's there's uh, number okay. four. <laughs> there's there's number four. The the. So we have two two femme characters have been mentioned so far. One of them is Empress Ti Hai Chin, who's just the wife, nothing else, in this. So how she's portrayed. And then there's Meilan, the evil consort, the dragon lady. So we have the, like, oh, the passive Asian woman. And then we have the, like, conniving, evil, calculated Asian woman. The, the evil seductress, specifically. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, God. And we can see, yeah. like, one is represented now by, like, a, this beautiful jade statue, like, clearly valuable. And then the other one is, like, barren wasteland. Yep. Deserted <laughs> yep. city. Yeah. Deserted city. <laughs> yep. Deserted oh, city God. for the evil consort. <laughs> You have to say yeah. it like that. Yes. Yeah. The evil consort. Rita Repulsa just coming uh, out of the moon. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just like. <laughs> uh, the city is roughly circular with four great roads leading to the four points of the compass and circled by. Oh, it's passing Sing. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> And it's encircled by eight great concentric walls. It's Bossing Zay. It's Bossing Zay. Um, Bossing Zay. Uh, in the center of the city stands the Palace of the Invincible Sun. Uh, do they mean sun as in like the Asian, like an Asian name, or is in sun as in the? the thing su- I think they mean the sun. I think they mean the thing in the sky, sun. The the, the blazing orb of fire and the sadness. solar the solar thing. Okay. Yeah. The star. The solar yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. The solar thing. The solar thing. <laughs> no, yeah, the sun. The, so the solar. <laughs> the solar glow. The space glow. It's a, space it's a glow. solar <laughs> thing as part of the part of the many myriad yep. things that is being described. In the sky. I was gonna say, oh, yeah. the the that's, welcome that's, to my new my new um, Americana single, Swamp Ball in the Sky. That's no, that's the, that's the title of this episode. It's just gonna be called Swamp Ball in the Sky. I'm down. I'm, I, I support that. I support, I support that. that. Written down. Um, okay. Whew, sorry. Um, uh, the Palace of Invincible Sun, a three-story high structure. Uh, from its center, there are passageways that lead to the Undercity and the vast crypt which encloses the stone armies of Shi, the terracotta warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or so it is said. Or so it is said. Um, 
<laughs> for very few people who have ever visited Kuo Meilan, it is a cursed place oh, and haunted boy. by all manner of ghosts, demons, and monsters. Uh, it is said that any traveler who spends a night in Kuo Meilan will be dead by morning, and that a pile of white bones of visitors... As high as the Dragon Wall. What's the Dragon Wall? It's one of the oh, no. It's the Great Wall. The Great Wall, China. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Even worse, it is said that the spirits of the evil dead will take possession of the bodies of those who die there to walk the earth in men's flesh, spreading horror in their paths. No maps exist of Cold Mail. You just, you now, just, just described it. Just 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 <laughs> wait. And all accounts of its design are shrouded in mystery? What? In mystery. What? It is a place of mystery. Gro- <laughs> wait. Groaning deep under the curse of heaven. So let's unpack all okay, of that. Okay, so like. Um, can we just say that whoever was the, the editor little, really little, needed but, to like do some work? Let's step back in. All of us take a deep breath. I'll just, I'm just going to sketch an actual map of Kuomeilan on a post-it note, so that way we now have a map of Kuomeilan. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a circle? It's a circle. With eight other it's another circles. circle. Like, there's like and four three roads. roads. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like it's a, a dartboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bullseye. It's a bullseye. But like, it's clearly not stripped of all <clears throat> life and desolate. It just kind of sounds like a monster city. Okay, but here's the thing, though. They say that anybody who stays there will be a... Wait. Will they will they turn into a pile of bones? They will end up as a pile of bones. They will either well, be something, dead or some, possessed, I believe. Yeah. But also, something is clearly piling the bones. Yeah. Well, yeah, one of the a, ghost demons or monsters that seem to be yeah. apparently living there. I just so, think of this as, like, it's a city that was built by and for ghost demons and monsters. This is just their place. <laughs> this is where they hang Honestly, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you were good, if you were gonna do this, I would have. Instead of a big pile of white bones, you could have just said because there are monsters everywhere. Uh, all of the ground has a fine sprinkling of crushed bone. Yeah, Even- that masks the sounds of the monsters walking about. Um, but like, there's so much bad here. Like, okay, first of all. It's a place of mystery groaning deep under the curse of heaven. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, groan deep. How do you groan deep under the curse of heaven? Clearly there's a choir. What, wait, what is the curse of heaven? What is that? But what is that? And how, like... So like, this was made by people, and then something happened, but they're not going to tell you. And Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The Palace of the Invincible Sun? What's that all about? And what happened here? Clearly this yeah, place and, was not and, invincible. And there's, also con- and there's also conveniently, you know, a stone army here. Yeah. Yeah. And they say that there are passageways that lead to the Undercity, even though there are no accounts of its design. Yeah. I, I don't... How... Okay, so if there are no maps, then clearly, like, it's like, oh, you can only describe orally or, like, within words <laughs> the description of the city and not yeah, actually... Does any drawing just burst into flames? Like, <laughs> like cursed, <laughs> cursed I, feel like, I feel like every time you draw a, a concentric rings with a cross on it... <laughs> Eldritch horrors emerge yeah. from the pamphlet. Um, you just have there's just like there's just like one child at school who is learning to draw circles <laughs> and then all of a sudden invokes Kobe Lan. <laughs> I, I will say from like taking a very a couple very 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 big game designer liberties, 
coming from someone who's like when you write a setting i can see them writing this in a way that's like here's enough detail for you to create an interesting setting for an encounter or an arc of your campaign we want to give you enough details to create a setting but also enough leeway for you to explore and fill in the your own gaps i can see that i can see the bones of that in this section where it's like we want to give you know enough detail so that you can feasibly set something in here and set an encounter here but you can also fill in the gaps on your own i, I can i can see that i can give it yeah. that much i i get mm-hmm. i mean like but they don't they don't tell you that though they don't tell you that they but don't but I, I agree with Mackenzie in the sense that there is, I think, a really, I mean, like, I'm just coming up right now with a really fun, like, what if we had an encounter, like, a, a one shot where we all show up here and we all play monsters. And one of our jobs, like, one of the monsters' jobs is literally we just pile, we just create bone piles. <laughs> like, how's it going, Brennan? Yeah, I'm just making more bone piles. How's it going, Dylan? Yeah. Oh, the bone, bone piles bone actually have a, have, a, have a purpose that no one else understands. <laughs> They're building their own wall. They're building their own wall. It's a wall. It's, As opposed to it, the eight like, already concentric walls. Because building the, the ninth wall. Was that enough? <laughs> Why would you want to go to That's this city? That's the thing. Like, what's it, the point of going here? If you're just gonna die, there's no reason. Like, there's apparently stone armies, yeah. but like, I mean, they also this is like a this is the first time in this in this book. I mean, we're only one really one page in, but this is <laughs> the first time in this book where they've done something that FFG and AEG did with L5R is that they've created this really pseudo so far fantasy China. And this is the first time where we've seen something that is actually reflective of real China, and it's the Terracotta Army. Yeah. Right? But they've divorced the Terracotta Army and its rich history and the fact that it is in a real city, Xi'an. <laughs> and they've kind of just stuck it here for flavor. It's like the obligatory Terracotta Warriors. Not that they have any it's reason. Like, it's just, oh, it's China. We got to put in the Terracotta Warrior somewhere. Let's put him in the ghost city. Let's put- but they also put Shi, which is a part of the name of the emperor who had that built. Yeah. 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 So, so it's that. like, it's it's very odd. It's like, they're like, let's finally sprinkle our seasoning over our really bland meal. Well, they also said um, Dragon Wall, which I'm guessing is the Great Wall, but put a dragon we'll, on we'll it. We'll see. <laughs> Put a dra- it's like Portlandia. Put a, put, it's like Portlandia. Yeah, it's like Portlandia. Put a dragon on it. Put a dragon, it. On, put a dragon it. on it. Ugh. Okay, let's 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 keep going. Um Pincho. Originally a small city of oh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pincho. Originally a small city in the rice plains adjacent to Hangtze. Pincho. Ping- Ping Chow. Now it's it's Pin Pin Chow. Now it's Ping Chow. Oh, they added um, the G. It came back. They added the G. <laughs> the, G. the G came back. <laughs> the missing G. They took the G from the Chen and they stuck it over here in the pin. So that's where it went, everybody. That's where it went. It migrated. <sighs> it migrated. Ping Chow becomes a became a mecca for dissident intellectuals and scholars shortly after the capital was moved to. Uh, Quo Tulung in 869. Oh, hey, we got an apostrophe. 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 There we go. That that means nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
It is a oh look, it is a circular city, much like Kuomeilan. How would they know that it's like Kuomeilan if there are if there are maps? No accounts of its design. Yeah. Um, ringed with four walls, pierced with gates to the north and south. The center of the city has no great palaces or civic structures, but is instead a densely packed area of tea houses, wine shops, theaters, and meeting houses. Pingchow is also known as Scholar's City because each year the imperial examinations are held here. Year-round, the city is jammed with... Oh, I'll scroll for the audience. The city is jammed with prospective scholars studying to pass their exams. There are a great many schools, tutors, and examination houses in the city catering to its specialized clientele. Wait, it's, so this it's is like, a college town? Yeah, it's college town. It's a college town. town. Yeah. So yeah. this is basically one of the Confucius towns, basically, because this is a reference to Confucius and when you got the, the, the imperial examinations going on. So it's like... But I just love how it's like for it starts with that pair, that line of mecca for dissident intellectuals and scholars. I'm like, uh, uh, okay, but that but apparently we're okay with it now. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really make any sense if this is the seat of like where government bureaucracy and structure is nurtured and the next generation is born. Why would you have these dissident firebrand intellectuals in the same spot? Unless it's supposed to be like, because you said like a college town situation. Um, but also like what maintains the town? Yeah. It just says the yeah, center is no great like, palaces. It's just a bunch of tea houses. <laughs> but like, okay, here's the thing. If you're designing, if you're designing a town and it has four walls and let's assume they're concentric rings, because this is identical to Kuomeilan, except... I think Kuomeilan has I guess eight, there's only, eight rings. There's eight rings, and this one only has one central road, whereas Kuomeilan has two central roads. It's double right. the size, but the thing double is, the if you're, just, if you're designing a city, and it has concentric rings, they are designed for defense, or, I guess, segregation in that, in that sense. But in both, in, in both situations, what you have at the center has to have high value, right? Mm-hmm. Like a palace or a government structure or something important. But instead they're like, there are all these four concentric rings and there are gates and at the very center, whole bunch of boba places. <laughs> to be fair. I mean, I, I mean that I, is yeah. sacred. You know, yeah, that is pretty like, sacred. <laughs> you know, that's very... I, look, I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm a SoCal girl who loves her boba. I It's it's I'm, literally an outdoor plaza full of, bo- of boba vendors and it's just like, I think that's just, the, that's what's really in the center. Bars. Sorry, I should have I said... <laughs> Boba places, wine shops, and Kumon centers. Yeah, I was about to say this is like, so this yeah, is the city okay. of Kumon learning. It's like <laughs> it's like this is where my mother drops me off, like after school, and then, <laughs> next to the tent. And then let's also note that it's also in the rice plains. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Like, what do you mean by a rice? Yeah, because that doesn't really work. <laughs> it doesn't. That's that's, that's like. No, that's not how rice do. Like that's not how no, rice. That's not how rice. That's not how rice. That's not how rice. You no, you put the rice in a sphere. This is how it yeah. is. Yeah. This, this, no, this is where all the salt water went. It's the plains. It, it's just lazy world building so far. Like to take a step back, this is lazy world building that has drawn like very much on stereotypes. Like I mean, our first. Si- <laughs> Our, our first city, Keratin, first of all, terrible name, 
Ugh. is basically just a city. It's and you know what's interesting? Not only I mean these are in like alphabetical order, but Keratin also happens to be the first thing that you read as as a as a player. And it's the first city that tells you that this is how the white people come to the east. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Gaijin. Right, so here's your entry point. Uh, so they play out the silk, the rice, and then it's just poor, poorly designed. There's not much. It says, like, oh, it's a great city. All the buildings have a similar style. And there are roads. And, hey, the roads are paved, by the way, because we need to tell you that Asia has proper roads. Um. Right, and then you go to Kuomei Line. It's like here's the ghost city. It's shrouded in mystery, but here's a shitload of detail. In fact, more detail than the city where the Gaijin enter. And then here's Ping or Pinchao, the city of scholars. And it's not even an interesting city of scholars. It's a city where people go to study for their exams. It's cram school city. It literally is cram school city. Like the amount of caffeine. That is shipped like tea and, and maybe- at least they at least they thought ahead and put the tea houses in because at least it's like all right you at least attempted to think about the caffeine consumption that's required to keep being functional. But if you're gonna put that there, at least okay, it's just tea houses, wine shops, theaters, and meeting houses. What about the restaurants? What a, like yeah, like and I get that, that <clears throat> that's the center of the city, and they say there's no palaces or civic structures. So who but runs then- this place? Like, who yeah. runs it? And like, are the civic structures, since these are imperial examinations, they are by default. Examination centers are civic structures. Yeah. But, so, yeah. so like, what is going on here? I, I, I feel like there's a bit of, even with the rice plains, like there's a, there's a definite knowledge disconnect with the person who wrote that section of not knowing how rice works, first of all. And also, clearly, um, not understanding city planning at all. Yeah, urban development is so important when you're designing, when you're world building, especially if you're world building like cities and trying to understand, especially what your populace needs. Like, let's let's take like Cambridge, Massachusetts, for example, as like this a college town sort of city. There's still a civic government. I mean, it's there's a ton of studying that goes on, obviously, but like there's other things too, and it's it still functions somehow without becoming like a Kumon learning center center. And I think what is it? It's sort of zooming out from like a more a writer perspective as someone like like writing a setting guide. They all the cities are only a couple paragraphs, which means that they reduce like every city to like oh it, these are the bare points. And by mm-hmm. doing so, they expect you to fill in the gaps. And it maybe in some cases that would work out fine. But the fact that they're expecting you to fill in the gaps means that a lot of people coming into this setting are going to fill in the gaps with more stereotypes. Because it doesn't provide any more context for that knowledge. So people who read this and who most likely don't have a lot of experience with Chinese culture, they're just going to fill in the gaps that these this world-building section leaves with their own stereotypes and assumptions. And the text does nothing to correct that or say, hey, this isn't how it is. They're just expecting you to fill that in. And, and in doing so, they're perpetuating more of those stereotypes, whether or not explicitly in the text, but implicitly, by not saying, hey, this isn't how it should be. 
Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, there's, just, there's just like a lot going on here. They also... A lot going on here. Have Like, we've only been given three cities, which is supposed to be in the most powerful of the nations within Karatur. We haven't heard about a capital. They say Kualtong Love, but like... Where? Where is that? Yeah. What is it? Why isn't it described here? Mm-hmm. And really, there's only three cities that we should know about for this entire region. I'm, I'm actually scrolling ahead. And, hey, look, there's the Forbidden City. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. really nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. Where, no, it's what, really weirdly organized. Also, would, they have an yeah. entire section dedicated to the, the civil service exams. examination. Yeah. Roll up some characters and let's take these exams. Oh, boy. Uh, um, exactly what I want to do when playing my tabletop role-playing games to escape from my university life. Take yes. more exams. Let's, let's <laughs> come on, everyone. We got we to gotta figure out those fantasy SATs. Ow. So let's, let's, let's kind of talk about that because um, I'm going to say we'll finish on that section because I know, like, Michelle, you've got, like, a hard, like, exit at, like, 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. So one of the things here that we need to talk about is like what what do these TTRPG books represent? Right? Um Oriental Adventures, the book that came before this one is a toolkit, right? And they provide you with instructions on how to play the game. Oriental Adventures had lore, it had instructions, and it had gameplay mechanics, right? This one is a campaign setting. So this is essentially a fictional history textbook. So this is telling you how to play a game set in Karatur, but it doesn't give you gameplay mechanics so far. And I know people are going to be like, well, it says this later. I I don't care. So far. Um, But it's doing this all through lore. But when all of your lore is based on very, very superficial stereotypes and you know straight up like illogical elements well you're now setting a precedent for the player you're telling them that this kind of lazy storytelling is okay and now we have like a giant problem here because the foundation for what we're about to continue reading is based entirely on garbo um, I don't like, how do we feel so far about this? Cause I, I feel like this is a time for us to debrief and be like, okay, what do we think of it so far for some of us who are reading it for the first time for Emma, who's like, you're reading L5R and now we're reading this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like what are, what are some of the, the things we want to take away from reading the first three pages of the book? Um, at, at least for me, it already touches on all four of the problems that Steve and I identified with Oriental Adventures. And again, it's that world building is based on harmful real world stereotypes that, you know, blend time periods, cultures, and ethnic groups. We're seeing that here. Uh, Asians are seen as violent and savage. We see that in the art. We see that in how they talk about their world building. Asians are seen as uncivilized and in need of saving something that was very evident with the cover. And then, of course, the entire city of Kuo Meilan. 
And the last one is that Asians are objects of fetishization. The first two femme characters that we talk about are either just the wife or an evil temptress. And it's implied that she kind of ruined the whole city. Mm-hmm. So, like, what what is everyone? What are everyone's takeaways from from reading and scanning this much of Caratour? And I know there's a lot. It, it's, <clears throat> I mean, for me, I think it's it's not even good enough to be campy. Like, I, and that's a thing. Like, I. I love campy things. Um, Sharknado is one of my favorite things to talk about. But there is... It's not even tongue-in-cheek. Like, it's so... It's so unaware of its own um, laziness. Like, even when you talk about something campy, there's, there's generally, like, a hard commitment to the theme. Like, yes, we're going to have a tornado full of sharks, and we're going to depict that, and there's going to be chainsaws, and it's great. Here, it's just lazy. And I think that's what's so disappointing about this experience, like, reading this so far, even though it is kind of hilarious in some ways. But it's just sad, almost, that, like, people don't even take the time to do their research, to just rely on shorthand and abbreviated understandings of a very complex culture, and not even just one culture, many different cultures, and history, and to boil it down to something this misrepresented is, it's its kind of sad and pathetic. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? I think for me, the biggest takeaway is that it's not done with malicious intent. Like, you can read it and you can see there, there is some... The people who wrote this are... You can tell they're doing it in a misguided attempt at appreciation. And a misguided way of letting people play, um, you know, pr- creating a sandbox for people to play in. Because that's what setting guides are in the end. They're, they're meant to be sandboxes for other people to play in. But in doing so, they forget to look at the rules that build the sandbox or or the walls that they're making the sandbox out of and what they're putting in the sandbox for people to play in. They're focusing on creating like that fun freedom to play um, without really underscoring why, what causes this desire to play in the sandbox that they're making in this style? Why do they want to play in this sort of culture? Why do they want to play in other? Um, And it's... You can tell it's not done like with intent to de- to denigrate or deride. It, it you can tell they wanted to do something good, but the lack of research and the lack of just simple understanding is it's very clear, and it, it mostly just makes me sad. <laughs> you can join me in the yeah. sad pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sad. <laughs> I mean, this is what happens when you. When you combine, uh, you know, cultural appreciation with a true lack of cultural understanding, and you put them together into one book, right? Mm-hmm. How, how about you, like Emma or Jackie? I, not really a lot to add right now. <clears throat> oh, my mm-hmm. voice! But also, yeah, just I'm seeing it rely on certain ideas that still show up. 
so I guess I will, I don't know, continue to react. I don't really have a summary statement. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, like, I think, but Michelle, you you were just super articulate. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, that was <laughs> no, great. Okay. That was great. Don't apologize. Okay. No. Uh, Jackie, how about you? I, Anything? I think for me... Because for me, this is me revisiting years later because I have read this years and years ago. So, and I remember then that there were some problematic elements then. And coming back to it now, looking at it in a much older, uh, with much older eyes, um, it just highlights, you know, the things that Michelle and Mackenzie have said where it's like, this was just a really bad attempt and that there was it just you can and Mackenzie's right there was you can feel that there was an, an there was an attempt for appreciation but just they were woefully un, under un, just lacking the preparation and the tools to do it and not understanding that they didn't have them and they just went whole ham into it and using just only the context of what they knew from the media that existed then and the stereotypes that were prevalent then. And then you ended up just having this kind of mixed match of everything that, that what basically what Westerners perceived Asians. And it's just, the problem now is you have a, a piece of history that shows a lens of how Westerners perceived Asia that has lasted for as long as it has and basically continues to just add more to it because every time because this was back this is from during when during the first time oriental adventures was printed so we're talking decades now and even so even now a lot of this material has perpetuated the same stereotypes the same perceptions and it's just it just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that being said, I, I know that, you know, there, a lot of this was bad. Um, and I know that, Michelle, you've got to go soon. So one of the things that I think we should always end with is something positive. And I think all of you are doing such amazing things for the community right now. Um, so let's, let's, go, let's go Emma, Jackie, Mackenzie, then Michelle. You know, I've put all of your socials on screen, but there are also people who are listening to the audio. Um, what are you, like, where can people find you on the internet? What are you currently doing? Um, in like one one minute, Emma, what are you, <laughs> where are you on the internet? What can, what are you doing? Well, I'm mostly on Twitter and I've just signed on to do some more sensitivity reading on a Japan and Japanese culture themed, uh, I think, D&D. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that thing? That's yeah, awesome. That's so, so great. Yeah, I'm getting. You're not allowed I'm to say it, fur- right? No, I don't, I'm gonna keep it to myself. I don't know. Cool. But like, I'm getting further into this world. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Um, and honestly, like, you're you're a voice that you know this community needs, and I, and I think you know you're gonna do like fantastic work. Well, thank you, um, Jackie. How about you? Hi, everybody. You can find me on Twitter at Death by Mage, and I am currently working on getting ready for the for setting up for pitches, accepting adventure pitches for Unbreakable Volume Two. Uh, and so we're getting ready for that. We'll be having a big announcement on September eighth. Um, and we are, and we're, and uh, the one spoiler I will give is that we're opening the system wide. We're accepting, en- we're accepting en- adventures and scenarios in 
a multitude of different systems. So it's not just going to be D&D 5e. We're expanding out. So if you have any ideas, please send them our way. Uh, also check out UnbreakableRPG.com. And if you want to, if you're Asian, if you're an Asian creator, uh, writer, artist, or even if you're an editor, uh, sign up. We would love to have you. And show that cover to the. To oh the yeah, this one. this you mean this beautiful salamander boy? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. He's so happy. Um, so let's go to let's go to Mackenzie. Where can people find you um, on the internet, and what are you uh, doing? So you can find me over on Twitter at Mackenzie Lane Da. I'm the lead writer for the Islands of Sina Una, an upcoming 5e campaign setting based around pre-colonial Filipino culture and mythology. You can pre-order it right now over on thedeckofmany.com. Um, I've also have stuff coming out with um, MCDM Productions, both with Kingdoms and Warfare and their upcoming magazine Arcadia. Mostly, I just announce all my stuff on Twitter, so follow me there, and that's where you'll see me yell about it. Hell yeah. Michelle? Um, you can find me mostly on Twitter, again, um, at Conefiend Potter, where you can see a lot of my pottery, um, hear me shout about things I care about within the community, uh, whether it be RPG or magic. And also, I am a co-host, I forgot to mention, of the Lore Goyce, which is a um, lore comedy podcast about Magic the Gathering. So if you're looking to make fun of Nicol Bolas or Ravnica in general, please head over and uh, listen to us goof and tell jokes. That sounds amazing. <laughs> And of course, you could find me on the internet at Daniel H. Kwan. Um, I actually, you know, Jackie, we were just talking about the Shanghai Jing, and I actually, like, literally two hours ago, just released a zine on my itch page, danielhkwan.itch.io, and it's Denizens of Mountains and Seas, Volume 2. It's a collection of eight um, creatures, I won't say monsters, but creatures from classical Chinese literature. Um, this particular volume was based on serpents and birds. Uh, so I put a lot of like cultural footnotes in there on how to do things properly. Uh, so you can check that out over there. Uh, so that, again, that's danielhquant.itch.io. And of course, if you're listening on audio, uh, make sure you follow us, uh, Asians Represent, uh, on Twitter, at uh, AZNSrepresent, YouTube, at AZNSrepresent, and then, oddly, Twitch, at AZNSrep. Um, <laughs> Look, uh, Jackie, Mackenzie, Emma, Michelle, please take care of yourselves. Like, we're we're all doing a lot of emotional labor here reading this, and I want to make sure that you know you take care of yourself and your mental and physical health. Um, so close that PDF. Don't think about Caratour for a while. <laughs> we got a month. Um, we got a month. You too. You yeah. got a month. You have a month, right? Um, and I think that you know doing it monthly is more sustainable. And for everyone who is listening on the podcast, watching on Twitch or watching on YouTube, you know, thank you for joining us and, you know, take care of yourselves as well. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Asians Represent is part of the One Shot Podcast Network. If you head to oneshotpodcast.com, you can listen to a variety of amazing podcasts like The Broadswords, an all-woman actual play fantasy TTRPG podcast focusing on roleplay, narrative, and diversity at the gaming table. If you have questions about you know, the themes we discussed in this read-through of Caratour, uh, AD&D in general, or anything else related to Asians Represent, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at AZNSRepresent or at AZNSRepresent at OneShotPodcast.com. I'm Daniel, and you've just listened to Asians Represent. Asians Represent.